Hi, I'm Jayan Sriram and welcome to In Focus, the Hindu's analysis podcast. Thanks for joining us. This is the daily update show on COVID-19 in India. We are recording on Saturday, the 25th of April, which is also incidentally World Malaria Day. That will be our first segment for today, in fact. We all know that COVID-19 is the kind of deadly pandemic that most of us could barely have imagined. And while all of our conversations, all of our thoughts and energies around healthcare are going toward battling it, we often forget that there are other diseases that account for a huge burden on our healthcare systems in India every year, and malaria is one such. We'll get a brief perspective on this today from Dr. Kaushik Sarkar. He is the technical head of an organization called Malaria No More India. We also have our regular segments today with Deputy Science Editor Jacob Koshi, who reports on some new numbers, some almost too positive numbers, if I dare say, that the government is putting out on the lockdown and the effect it's having on the growth of cases. We'll look at that with the right degree of caution, I think. And National Affairs Editor Suhasini Haider has a story on the government planning on the repatriation of over 2 lakh people from the Gulf post the lockdown. So we'll begin the show with Dr. Kaushik Sarkar. Dr. Kaushik, um, thank you for joining us on World Malaria Day. I think this is as good an occasion as any to remind ourselves uh, that, you know, as the COVID-19 pandemic sweeps across India, there are other diseases that uh, we have dealt with that have historically been uh, rather troubling for us. Malaria is one of them, of course. And um, I would like to get an overall perspective from you on where India stands among the most malaria-affected countries in the world. If you could give us the sense of the number of cases, say, in the past few years, and whether this has represented a major improvement over, say, four or five years ago or even longer. Thanks, Jan. So malaria is, you know, India is historically a malaria endemic country. That means malaria high burden country. And it, uh, there used to be millions of cases in the country even before uh, we, we got independence. And um, since 2016, we have made tremendous progress in reducing malaria. Even, uh, you know, during the, those years, uh, India used to be the third highest contributor to the global malaria burden. And uh, then with intensive uh, action by the government, uh, we, malaria has been reduced. Uh, and uh, today, uh, as of 2019, I, I talked that, you know, 300, 330,000 uh, cases are there uh, uh, that are reported across the country. But uh, of course, uh, the entire country is endemic, and there is a huge risk that uh, during this COVID-19 pandemic uh, and the social distancing policies and the restrictions, this can increase at any point of time. And and Dr. Kaushik, um, you mentioned June. Um, we're in we're in the month of um, you know April now. Um, what is the what is the peak season of malaria in India? Um, is it? I know that it's traditionally. I mean, it is not traditionally around the monsoon time. So, um, what are the few months that you know healthcare workers identify as being the really like um, you know troublesome months, which they really need to take precautions and do their work? So, malaria increases in the months when mosquitoes, the vector which carries malaria, increases. So, these are the months which are, you rightly said that uh, monsoon months. So, that means June to September in most part of the country 
a little early in the northeastern part because monsoon sets in a little early in those uh, states. Right. Okay. And um, you know, during this during this time during this peak season, what are the preventive measures that are taken by healthcare workers? Um, I won't say that uh, you know uh, malaria is uh, healthcare workers only work during. Uh, these peak seasons, but of course their work intensifies. So throughout right. the year, the healthcare workers, uh, uh, that is the ashas, who are at the who are our village level workers in India, so they mm-hmm. provide uh, you know malaria diagnosis, uh, malaria uh, uh, treatment. So they test using a card uh, at the village level. When people come to her with a fever, she tests and then provides malaria medicines. And uh, then during these monsoon months, uh, awareness campaigns are in- intensified. And uh, just before the monsoon is started in some states, for example, uh, in states like Odisha where malaria is high, so their mass screening camps for malaria are organized. And then indoor residual sprayings are carried out in a certain areas. So these are the activities that are done. But uh, these are, you know, year-long activities with uh, some tenfold intensification. Right. Okay. And uh, so, of course, the big question now is that, you know, Doctor, all of our resources are now have now gone into fighting COVID-19, which, um, in some ways, is understandable. It's it's the kind of pandemic that uh, most of us have never even seen or could imagine. But uh, to somebody like you, who's been sort of tracking malaria and has been deeply involved in this uh, fight against malaria. What are your concerns about the resources that might be taken away, especially in these crucial months um, in the fight against malaria? So um, time and again, we have seen that um, if the malaria services are not intensified, malaria comes back. Right. We failed to uh, end malaria in 1960s from a mere 60,000 cases in a country, 60,000, 65,000 cases. The reason that uh, actually threatens uh, the malaria, uh, you know, the the progress that we have made so far is uh, number one is the campaigns. So, for example, there are long-lasting insecticidal nets. Government of India, since 2016 and after that, have distributed millions of net across the country to protect its uh, population. Now, this requires mass distribution campaigns. Now, these distribution campaigns will be hampered. This cannot take place. Then, uh, you know, the spray operations that are affected. The mass screening camps that I just I was talking about, so they, that cannot be organized because of uh, you, you have to keep the social distancing policies. And then uh, the supply chain for these, uh, you know, anti-malarials, life-saving commodities, that can be affected. Plus, uh, the, we, we have seen, you know, uh, during uh, uh, previous Ebola outbreaks in the, uh, and uh, epidemics in those countries, that uh, in Guinea there was huge outbreaks because people stopped seeking treatment during these uh, other disease epidemics. So that is also threatening because lockdown is on, people have less, uh, uh, people may not seek treatment for the fever, and that may cause a huge uh, change in the entire uh, progress that we have made so far. So these are. Some of the challenges that are there, and we definitely need alternative strategies to overcome these challenges and keep people, you know, aware of the of what needs to be done and how they can do that. Right, Dr. Kaushik, thank you so much. I'll stop it there. 
Thank you so much. We move on to our regular segment now with Suhasini Haider and Jacob Koshi. I'll start with you Suhasini. There was a big meeting today on the question of how India is going to bring back Indians stranded abroad. Something we discussed a lot on this podcast obviously. What can you tell us about that about what happened today? Well Jen, you know on on this podcast we have often discussed the big problem that is being faced by thousands of Indians who are stranded in various cities around the world. Many of them were traveling business travelers, tourists, uh, some were students whose colleges and schools shut down who are not able to come back to India since India banned all incoming travel since March the 22nd. Uh, we've also spoken about how difficult it's been for them given that many foreigners were allowed to leave India. Uh, in fact, up to about 30,000 foreign nationals left the country in the last few weeks, but none of those flights were allowed to bring Indians home. But what we do understand is the government has taken that first step towards considering how to repatriate Indians back. Cabinet Secretary Rajiv Gobha held a meeting on uh, on Saturday. He met with the Foreign Secretary, he met with many other nodal ministries, but most importantly met with uh, in that meeting included the chief secretaries of all the states and union territories and essentially discussed with them what kind of preparations would be needed for uh, handling how many Indians are coming back. Uh, and will be repatriated now here are the numbers uh, originally if you remember we had spoken about 25000 people being stranded immediately because they were traveling abroad and were caught and they weren't able to get onto flights that came back before incoming travel was stopped um however since then the biggest area of concern has been the gulf and the gulf region in particular the uae saudi arabia bahrain oman kuwait um these are places where there are large numbers of migrant uh, labor populations expatriate professionals and uh, over the last few weeks there's been a worry that many of them who have either finished their contracts or are facing job losses facing plummeting oil prices are going to need to return home now according to the latest estimate there are now about 200,000 2 lakh uh, indians who are going to need repatriation just from the gulf region in the next few weeks um many of them have already been in touch in fact the external affairs ministry conducted a fairly extensive survey in mid april asking all the missions to talk about how many people they thought would need to be facilitated helped in some way or the other uh, and since then uh, the government has been in touch with uh, state chief secretaries to ask them about the uh, the arrangements that are being made uh, the kerala chief minister pinarayi vijayan in fact detailed them in a separate press conference on saturday talking about the numbers of beds that are needed in hospitals numbers of quarantine facilities that are needed in each state where uh, the expatriates return um and in particular the you know, the sequencing of which indians would be allowed to come first and um, who uh, you know how the government is going to stagger this out so that they are not inundated uh, from what we understand the government has decided to bring back people from the gulf first and once they are able to do that start looking at other places where there are many indians stranded like the uk uh, as well as parts of europe and the united states uh, much will depend on the assessment over the next week and particularly whether the health ministry the dgca are all able to come on board and put these measures into place but what we understand is that the cabinet secretary has assured um, various secretaries at the meeting that there will be repatriation of indians expected to happen fairly soon uh, and all of these measures are now being considered towards that and jacob one thing we, we kind of missed out on doing uh, this update uh, yesterday 
Mm-hmm. But there was um, there was a there was a briefing at the health ministry. Somebody from uh, the Niti Aayog. Yeah. And um, there were some projections made about how uh, the case count is coming down and that this could be a trend going forward. Yeah. Uh, you have a story uh, that kind of links in with those projections today. Yeah. So maybe you want to talk first about the briefing yesterday and then kind of move on to talking about your story today. Yeah, sure, Jain. So yesterday the briefing was uh, about the effects of the lockdown. Now that it's already April twenty fifth. and you know may third is approaching and however we are still seeing a uh, 1000 to 1500 cases being added uh, every day now for a long time uh, there are questions on you know okay how how fast is this growth so dr vk paul you know who's heads one of the committees that is in ch- uh, charge of man- of the medical management of the crisis he made a uh, assessment of the gains that the lockdown has conferred so far and he basically showed this argument as to how before the lockdown came we were doubling at 3 you know at nearly 3 days there was a doubling but uh, from the lockdown and from the increase in testing we have reached uh, nearly 10 days and you know the now if you just look at the active cases it has increased to 14 days now this was so the argument being that it was because the lockdown that you know there has been a slowing down in transmission and uh, that slowing down keep estimates uh, again it was not based on the government's own estimates it was basically cited from some independent research researchers from brookings india as well as the indian statistical institute who have been mapping this uh, the covid infections of almost on a regular basis from early march so they right. there was this assessment that you know there is going to be a peak in the number of cases from april 30th after which there's going to be uh you will you will see the beginning of a decline and that decline would lead to nearly from it's going to go down to nearly zero by may 16 and they so if you just add a declining number from april 30 that is from 1500 and you know slowly go down to let's say 30 uh, 1000 cases by by may 12 and 500 by may 11th or something he's saying that by may 16 they're going to be adding zero cases per day so then all you have to worry about is you know the cases that we already have uh, posing a recovery so to say and because it takes nearly 3 weeks on average for recovery now there have been questions raised about this because this basically shows that we're going to add no more than 30 35000 cases from today this is we really do not know what 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 basis this forecast uh, actually is because you look at states like maharashtra is look at states like gujarat you know these are state cases that you know as testing is increasing is bringing in a high number of positives and uh, no state even kerala has really shown a decline so far it is even after 3 months after the first case reported cases a state like kerala has not been able to really uh, go down to zero in spite of 3 uh, or 4 months and every case every state is going to show its own trends now we really not know whether uh, this accounts for the lockdown uh, the projection but and we do not know whether the lockdown will be extended so there are it is still a kind of problematic uh, kind of uh, assessment and uh, if that happens india would have posed posed one of the lowest number of cases given the relative to the size of its population that would be a truly stupendous achievement so of course 
there is the larger question as to as to what at what cost have we really achieved this but again it's really really early and maybe next week this time when we are let's say a couple of days away from the lockdown we will have a better assessment of whether this projection is actually coming out right so just to be just to be clear once again this projection is uh, not from the national institute of Epidemi epidemiology or anything no, like that but no. it is based on independent research yes but because it was cited by and it was given as the main key presentation by dr vk paul who is the head of the government's uh, medical management committee it is it it is it can be seen as the government's position in a sense so okay and uh, just just lastly jacob um we are inching toward 25000 cases or we might have crossed it by now i'm not sure we're very close yeah. but um there, there is a headline sort of you know an add on to that headline saying that it's the lowest daily growth in numbers since mid march but just uh, just to give us some perspective what what really is you know if you average out the last few days what is the kind of what are the kind of numbers we're seeing on a day to day basis in terms of the growth so for for nearly a long time we are actually seeing 1200 to 1500 cases being added at least consistently for the past week or more per day and this hides you know variations in you know in several states it's actually four or five states that account for 60 to 70% of the burden and it's only when stability arrives at these states can you can we really say that there is some control over the rise of this uh, of this pandemic so there are 26 i believe it's 26000 cases today uh, look at government and independent sources of which there are 20000 active uh, infections and even the deaths today have been uh, uh, nearly 56 which uh, you know which is a kind of uh, on the higher side because we have normally registered about 35 to 36 uh, deaths on average per day but there have been days when we have seen 50 but this is also 56 is a, a number on the higher side so this is again a number that we have to be watching out for you know what is the kind of uh, uh, fatality rate and uh, of this infection so yes there has been compared to march there could be a, a a decline in growth but remember this is also on a much higher base because you know uh, compared to let's say in early march when testing had just begun and we, have, we were on a low base so you know the numbers you know in general would have been you know a small jump a, a, a small jump would also look like a, a relatively big big number so to say so but now that the, the base is higher and you really should not be comparing this base to uh you know that base so to say right jacob uh, we'll end it there so we're not recording tomorrow that is sunday but uh, we'll convene again on monday thank you jacob <laughs>